Hello, and welcome to this podcast. Even though the coronavirus has brought the world to a standstill, the world actually is still spinning, and trade is what makes global economies go. The first effects of coronavirus in the United States actually were trade effects, as supply chains were disrupted in China, and trade impacts will reverberate well beyond whatever new normal America finds itself in. Watching, monitoring this environment is Shauna Morris, NMPF's Vice President for Trade Policy, who's also working for improvements to the trade picture for dairy producers. Thank you for joining us today, Shauna. Thanks for having me. So in the midst of this coronavirus crisis, it's easy to forget, but international trade is still going on. How has coronavirus changed the character of the global dairy trade? I think one thing the situation has done, and that's not just here at home, but frankly, in many markets overseas as well, has really been to reinforce the critical importance of food and reliable access to it. That's certainly something that here in the U.S. we take for granted a lot of the time. And the same is true in some of the more advantaged markets and customers that we ship our products to around the world. But our collective new normal, so to speak, has really made us again appreciate what's been all too often invisible, uh, food reliably appearing on our grocery shelves and the role that farmers and dairy manufacturers play in helping keep us and those customers around the world fed. So what does that mean on the trade side? Well, on the trade side, it's important to recognize that we came into the coronavirus crisis on the back of several months of positive trajectory for our exports. So prior to the COVID-19 developments, we'd seen six straight months of dairy export growth, and our exporters were really in the process of reclaiming global market share. With that said, overseas, we're now seeing many of the same challenges that the U.S. is experiencing, and quite notably, reductions in dairy demand, especially due to lower food service and tourism sector uses. On top of that, there have been cases where we've been running into some shipping logistics challenges that have slowed the movement of product across markets as well. Trade experts were some of the first to understand how big a crisis this could be. What can we learn from China's experience, both in terms of how demand evolved and what a rebound might look like? I think the most important thing to keep in mind with respect to China is that we're still seeing things in that rebuilding stage even now. China is not yet fully back up and running in the dairy market in the way it was prior to COVID outbreak and purchasing at previous levels. Uh, for instance, a lot of its restaurants might have reopened by now, but are still not operating at full capacity. It's also relevant to note that the market's a little bit different than some of those that we ship to. Uh, for instance, cheese demand per capita is still quite lower in China compared to some of our other key dairy markets that we're shipping to. Uh, instead, you have a lot more reliance on the cheese that is shipped there, very specifically focused in the food service sector where you're still having these challenges. A bright spot, I'd say, though, is frankly that a lot of what we ship to China is whey and lactose. And China's still in the process and will be for the rest of this year of working to rebuild its swine herd on the back of the African swine fever outbreak that they had last year. So that's good for whey demand for feed. Frankly, we hope that the U.S.-China Phase 1 agreement helps to spur further U.S. purchases this year in line with the commitments China's made in that agreement as the recovery proceeds. But looking elsewhere, I think the real lesson to be learned here is just that recovery isn't going to happen overnight. Uh, it's going to take time. And I think that's the story that we've seen from China, even though they're heading in the right direction at this stage. So this is this is going to become a very long term situation. It's not like a, a rebound is immediate, even in, even in China. Correct. How do you continue working then toward that longer term picture? You know, the need for greater access and expanded trade doesn't end, but you're doing it what is right now a very 
acute, short-term, cross-our-fingers crisis. Right, exactly. And so our trade policy-focused work really aims to balance both those pieces of it right now. So on the one hand, more near term, uh, our policy work is focused on largely monitoring for potential problems with respect to barriers that may crop up in foreign markets and responding very quickly and aggressively so that the challenges we're already dealing with aren't compounded by new barriers to trade. We had a slight hiccup earlier in the year uh, with Mexico. We worked very quickly with our government and Mexico's government to ensure that access to food and agricultural products continue to be prioritized as the essential products they are during this crisis and are thankful that product continues to be exported to Mexico at this stage relatively smoothly, all things considered. On the other side of it is really, as you mentioned, Alan, those longer term pieces, the stuff that continues and remains a priority, not just for this year, but in the years to come. So building the right path for our industry to be able to move down. And that remains a big slice of what we're doing right now. So working with our government as well as others uh, to outline the dairy industry's priorities for upcoming trade agreements, uh, notably with the United Kingdom and Kenya, for instance, as well as ongoing work, uh, issues and policy barriers that had existed prior to COVID and are still in place that we're working with our government allies, with other counterparts in other countries to try to help address, not with an eye on what's going to happen necessarily in the next week, but what needs to happen over the next year or two. So what are we really looking at over the long, long term? I'd say that definitely one of the biggest pieces that we still need to see and there remains a huge focus for us is that long, long-term piece of opening up export markets, however. So forging new trade agreements and the need for Congress and the administration to really get on a unified page about the importance of ensuring that we're able to stay competitive in foreign markets and minimize the barriers to our exports around the world. That's what's going to make a difference for our industry's ability to achieve our export goals longer term. So it's sort of a truism in Washington policy circles um, that you never want to waste a good crisis. Um, you can say that somewhat cynically, um, thinking that, you know, some people might actually try to exploit a crisis unfairly. Is there a danger that some trade partners could actually exploit this crisis for an unfair advantage? There is. Uh, and that's something that we're very closely monitoring. Uh, certainly, I'd say we have our eye on two key places. Uh, one of those, first and foremost, is the European Union. Uh, they have a track record, uh, particularly that we've seen used most recently over the last couple years of using their dairy purchase and storage program, what they call intervention, to dispose of significant quantities, especially of skim milk powder on global markets. And that's definitely played a role in undermining our market access opportunities for those types of products in recent years. We're concerned about how the EU may move forward uh, with dealing with intervention down the road and the impact that might have on a subsequent recovery, again, a ways away. And so the other market that we have our eye on is really Canada. Uh, Canada still has Class 7 in place uh, and all the USMCA disciplines that will be put on Canada once it's fully in effect are not yet implemented. So that's another area that we're watching. Shauna, you hear a lot of people talking in a lot of different contexts about how things will never be the same post-COVID-19. Are there trade dynamics that will forever be changed because of this? 
Well, I'll say I hope so, and for a couple good reasons. Uh, one is the issue I talked about at the outset, uh, this sort of newfound appreciation for the critical role that farmers and food producers play in getting us reliably fed all around the world. Uh, hopefully, the message that we're learning now sticks around a while after the crisis. And secondly, one of, some of the steps that we've seen governments taking during the crisis have actually been to alleviate a little bit of red tape in certain cases still while preserving food safety, uh, but lightening up some import requirements that are probably excessive. If those remain in place and uh, continue in that track record, that certainly would be a positive development that might have come out of all of the harm here. Anything we've missed? Uh, the last thing I'd add is just a thank you. Uh, a thank you to our members, uh, certainly to the farmers who are working every day under very difficult pressures. Uh, a thank you to the rest of my colleagues here at National Milk who are doing everything possible from their roles to help provide assistance and tools to our members to help them cope with this. And as well to our partners at the U.S. Dairy Export Council that we work with so closely on all of these trade policy issues to try to advance our industry's interests with respect to trade on a daily basis. Well, thank you, Shauna, for providing us some of your time today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's Shauna Morris, the Vice President for Trade at the National Milk Producers Federation. And that's it for today's podcast. Be sure to look at our coronavirus webpage for more information and for previous podcasts. That's nmpf.org slash coronavirus. We've also launched a Twitter hashtag to discuss what dairy's going through and the need for dairy policy solutions. That's Dairy Never Stops. And you can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play under the podcast name Dairy Defined. Thank you for joining us.